0: When you speak, confusion fades, just a word, and suddenly I'm not afraid, cause you speak.
1: I'll give you a page number we're going to be reading in this morning. It'll be page 1390. There's actually not a page number. It's 1 Peter 1. It'll be 1390 in the church Bible. It's the beginning of 1 Peter. Real quick, um, a praise real quick. Teresa's got a house and she's moving this week. Awesome. Bless the Lord for that. That's amazing. Thanks for answering prayers there, Lord. Uh, We're going to lift up... um, Ruby and angelica's grandmother is just having a hard time she's not feeling well having some issues and uh, just some struggles with her health and we're going to continue to pray for raul jr we're going to trust the lord on that no he's not feeling well but god is good we know that so we'll trust in him from the bean family we have a couple of requests um, ryan and brooke our my, our son and his wife are expecting a little girl in the fall, and uh, she's been diagnosed with a condition that creates what they call a high-risk pregnancy uh, because of a situation when, if they don't have the baby early, it can cause some issues for the mom later. I'm thankful for doctors, but we also have seen what God can do in these situations, so that's what we're trusting in, that God would work in a mighty way in this situation, and it wouldn't be as the doctors speak, and so we'll pray that he works there and takes care of Brooke and the baby, and would work in their family. And Kimberly, one of our twins, is heading off tomorrow to United States Air Force boot camp, training camp, basic training camp. So uh, uh, she's gone across the world before, and we felt the Lord was in that, and we feel like the Lord is here. So we're blessing it. We're praying the Lord would work in her life, that he would cover her and protect her. And we've seen him do it before, always in their lives. and so. We have no reason to doubt that, so, but if you join us in prayer for her, that's a new adventure for her and us as a family. Uh, we don't have anybody in the immediate family that served military, but uh, she feels called to do this, so we're going to trust the Lord to work in a mighty way through her, in her, and in her family, and we pray for Will as well while she's gone, her husband. All right, let's read God's word. In my Bible, um, this scripture is got a title called a Heavenly Inheritance. We're reading verses 3 through 5. This is an amazing picture of who God is and what he's done for us through Jesus, his son. We'll begin in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. Blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day, the time that we can come. We're here today because we know your ways are higher and that we don't want to miss a word, Lord, that you would have for us today. I pray, God, that you would continue to open our hearts as we praise you this morning, that we would just tune in with humble hearts and and come before you today. Because, Lord, as we know and have to be reminded daily, this is all about you and bringing glory to your name and not so much about us. Lord, we are just called to be a part of what you're doing and we pray, God, that we can approach every day with that attitude. We lift up uh, these prayer requests this morning, Lord. pray for Raul Jr. and uh, uh, Angelica and Rubia's grandmother. We just pray you would work in these health struggles, Lord Jesus, and give understanding and strength to the family around them. And uh, we just, uh, we know, Lord, how good you are, and your heart uh, is always right. So we we bless you, we thank you, and uh, we also lift up Ryan and Brooke and their family, and I pray, God, that We know and we appreciate doctors, but Lord, we know you're the great physician, that you are the one that created this new little girl that's to be born this fall. And uh, Lord, you'd already know how this works out. And so we bless you and trust you in that. And for Kimberly, Lord, we pray, God, that you would be uh, raised up in her life, that she would be a beacon for who you are uh, in the place that she's going to serve. And we bless you and thank you, Lord Jesus, that. you've proven yourself so faithful in our lives and we we have to stand on that every day because we know who you are we pray god that today your name be lifted high that we would come humbly before you and hear a word from you today we thank you jesus for the amazing sacrifice you've given to us in your holy name we pray amen
2: the storm
3: seas
2: is calling me by name I'm singing in the victory the victory of the cross and resting in the shadow of your redeeming love I'm staying Gee.
4: land. Amen.
5: rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored and the church of Christ was born then the Spirit lit the flame now this gospel true the Lord shall not
6: good morning. Well, I loved all those songs. I don't know if y'all knew that, but I loved every one of them this morning. (laughs) And uh, I just, um, I love being in the back where I sing because I can dance. Y'all don't really know it. And it doesn't scare anybody. And and I love it. I'm particularly excited this morning because of the message that God has for us. And uh, it's a place I've seen God um, open up in parts for several years, but this year he has opened up even a little bit more, and I just, I can see it so clearly, and I love what Daniel was praying as he and I have talked through some of this message all week. I I loved his heart that our eyes would be open and our hearts would be uh, fertile for this place, as uh, God opens up this new understanding, one of the things we have to do is sometimes put aside all the things we've learned and been taught <laughs> to be able to see fresh and new understanding and revelation from God, right? So I pray this morning that we can put aside some of our thoughts as we study some of these things and come to understand truly what Paul is saying. We've been in the book of Romans for several weeks, and we're going to be in the book of Romans today. Primarily in the book of Romans, we're going to be in chapter 7, but we're going to spend some time in chapter 5 and chapter 6. So if you're in our Bibles, it's going to be on page 1299. Is where chapter 7 is. And then we'll go back to chapter 5 on the page across from that, 1298, a little bit. Just to help you understand where we're going. Oftentimes, God gives me a title, and that helps us to begin to understand the fullness of what He's saying. So, His title for today is The Law of Sin and Death. The Law of Sin and Death. If you take notes, there's papers in front of you, and you're welcome to write some things down. But I will tell you this. You may want to just listen a lot today and then go back and take notes if you want to listen to the recording and take notes and study it further, which I think you're going to want to do because this is a, a big piece of bubble gum. And the more you kind of get get it going, you know when you first start chewing bubble gum, it's kind of hard to get going, right? Do you remember that? Those big old jawbreakers? How many of you used to do those? Yeah, Raul, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so you kind of you're chewing on it, and it's a lot to but once you keep chewing on it, you get it workable, right? And so I think that's the way this message is going to be, is that we may have to chew on it a little bit to see the fullness of what God has for us today. But I think you'll be excited to, to see this. So let's start off in chapter 5, and on page 1298, Romans 5, and we're going to start in verse 12. We talked... Um, about this a couple of weeks ago, and last week we taught on chapter 6, and all of those are going to come together more fully today, and uh, so chapter 5, verse 12, and what we want to remember is right before this, Paul is talking about being reconciled to God. I want you to think about that because it's so powerful. Everything that Paul is building on, you really should sit down and study Romans as one letter. That's how he wrote it. And so everything is building upon building upon building of the paragraph before, the sentence before, the verses before. And so when we take these letters and we break them up as we are to study them in depth, Sometimes we don't see the, um, the congruency of everything coming together to help us to understand the true thought that, that Paul is trying to give us. So he's talking about reconciliation to God. And that is so important because why are we not reconciled with God? Why are we separated from God? Why were we estranged from God why were we an enemy of God you know he talked about he said if you're if you're in the flesh you're carnal you're an enemy of God why would that be so he's going to help us to see the fullness of that today all right in verse 12 he says that through you know through the blood of Christ you've been reconciled in 11 and then it says therefore just as through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus dead spread to all men, because all sinned. You've, if you don't understand Romans tw- 5.12, you will not understand most of Romans. So what Paul is talking about right here is just as through one man, who was that, Adam, sin entered. So sin entered through Adam, and then death entered through sin. So death has the right to be here and to take lives Because of sin. And thus death spread to all men. So all of mankind is under the authority of death. Death has an authority. Do you understand that? Death has a right because why because of sin it, it, paul is going to refer to this over and over again but he talks about it in a way that sometimes we misunderstand it it's referred to as the law but it is the law of sin and death the law of sin and death So when the law, let's put your marker here. We're going to jump back and forth in a couple of places. I want you to turn back to Genesis 2. It's on page 2. Actually, it's on page 3. Genesis 2, verse 16. Genesis 2, page, page 3, verse 16. So Adam and Eve are in the garden. There has been no sin. Okay? Everybody see that? Verse 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it it shall eat of it you shall surely die this is a law this is a commandment this is the first law that god has given to adam he said you can eat of everything but if you eat of this the law of sin and death will happen you will have broken my law, right? First John tells us that sin is the breaking of God's law. It's lawlessness. We'll look at that here in a minute. But lawlessness, the breaking of God's law. So when Adam broke God's law, death entered because it's the law. Sin and death, the law of sin and death. Okay, I want you to turn back to Romans. And I want you to, I want to talk to you just a minute here about this next place. Okay, let's look at verse 13. For until the law, sin was not in the world. Most people think that verse 13 is talking about the Mosaic law, the Torah, the law that was given at Mount Sinai. And so people began to build a theology off of that understanding. And all of my life I was taught that. And therefore, through the book of Romans, people come to the understanding... We are no longer under the law. We are under grace. And then we get a place where we taught last week where grace is just a free ticket to do whatever you want because thank goodness Jesus died. Paul is, as we taught last week, is not teaching that. He's teaching far from that. But if you don't get this in your head correctly, it gets all conglomerated. And it really doesn't make sense, but it does get taught in this other way. What I want you to see is that what Paul is talking about in verse 12, right, is halfway through it, he talks about death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. So what we just looked at is what Paul is talking about is this law that God laid out that Adam broke and sin entered the world, and the result of that, the penalty for sin, is death. So the sin and death law entered. Does everybody see that? Because that's what Paul's talking about in 12. Does anybody see? By the way, at the end we're going to have some question time. So if you are confused and you want to ask a question, write it down. And we will talk about it if we don't get it answered. All right. Verse 13, coming right off of the heels of what Paul is talking about, this death entering through Adam. He says, for until the law sin was in the world. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Wow, that's hard to even understand, right? What Paul is saying is that sin was in the world. Yes, Satan. Who was the first one that sinned? Satan in the heavenlies, remember Satan is in the garden. He's in the world. But sin has not been imputed because there hasn't been a law. So before God came to Adam and said, You can eat of everything, but do not eat of the tree of good and evil. Sin was in the world. Satan. He was in the world, but it had not been imputed until the law was given. In other words, you're not held accountable for until the law was given. In other words, imputed, responsible for. Adam was not held responsible for sin until God came And gave a law. Does everybody see that? Then it was imputed. So now I want you to read this again and understand it. For until the law, the law of sin and death that God gave to Adam, sin, which is Satan representing sin, was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. So God would not hold Adam responsible until he had given the law. But after verse 16 in chapter 2 of Genesis, Adam's now responsible. So when Adam sinned, sin came into the world, and the penalty for that sin of death had an authority. Okay. Verse 14, nevertheless, listen to this, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So he's saying, nevertheless, death had a right to reign from Adam to Moses. That's interesting. Wonder why he picked that. In other words, he's saying that God gave this understanding to Adam. Death and sin are now in the world. Death has come and taken the lives of men long before the Torah was ever given. So, Chapter 13 cannot be talking about the the law given at Mount Sinai or the Torah. He cannot be talking about that. It doesn't make sense. But what he's saying is death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why? Because he's going to help us to understand what the Torah was given for. Why the... God was so gracious and loving and merciful to give the law at Mount Sinai is because what the law does, what the Torah does, is define sin. So when the law of Moses was given at Mount Sinai, it said thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet, so that you would know, or they would know, and now we know what sin looks like that comes with this penalty of death. In other words, it further defines the law of sin and death. It helps us to understand. The, you see, Torah means instructions for life. So, the, the law of Moses, the Torah, only does three things it defines sin, it brings blessings, and it brings curses. But before the law of Moses, death still had a right from Adam to Moses. Why? Because sin was in the world. Through Adam, sin entered and was what? It says in verse 12, spread to all men. Sin was in the world and it spread to all men. So I was thinking about that, and I thought, yeah, I see this. Most of the time, we think that sin has a right because we've been disobedient to God, right? How many of you think that? That the reason we are held accountable for our sin is because we've been disobedient to God that's not right. I wrote this down. I said, we are all sinful because of Adam's disobedience. So you're not held accountable because you broke a law. The law is showing you why you're sinful. And definitely, Is a place of repentance. But you see, the law of Moses, the law we read, helps to define where we are, else we would not know we had sinned. When I had a controlling spirit, I didn't know I was in sin. But when I began to read the law, and it said, you should have no other gods before me, and God came and said, you are setting yourself up as another god i begin i begin to see my sin and it gave me a place to come into repentance so the goodness of god was that he would give the law as paul is going to show us in a minute and that it is holy and it is good and it is right But the reason that we sin is because Adam sinned and it spread to all mankind. And you have a sin nature because of Adam's sin. You're born in sin. We've talked about that so many times. You're born in sin. Why? Because Adam sinned. So your position is not that we are made sinners because of the sin that we did, but rather we are made sinners because of Adam's disobedience, and we have a sinful nature, and out of that we do sin. It's very close, but very different. And you'll see that today. Okay, one of the things that I wrote down was that when there's a law, it has authority. So the law of sin and death has the authority to bring death all the way from Adam to Moses. That law. Before the law, was given to Moses it already took the life of people do you see that because it had the authority now it goes on to say in verse 14 even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Abba so they had another sin not like Adam's sin but a different sin but sin still is in the world So even though their transgression, their sin was different, it had an authority. How about Noah? All of the sexual immorality, all of the evil that was in the earth at the time of Noah, the flood was given, all these people died. They didn't know about the law of Moses But they were under the authority of sin and death. And they were in rebellion to God. And because they were in rebellion to God, and evil spread and sexual immorality spread, God brought a flood. All right, I want to take you over to a couple of last places to look in chapter 5. Look at verse 19. says, for as men, at, I'm sorry, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Now he's just summing up what I have said. So Paul is summing up in chapter 5, verse 19, for as by one man, Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. When? When? When they sinned? No. When Adam was disobedience, disobedient, mankind was made sinners. Is that what that's saying? So also, by one man, Jesus, obedience, many, many will be made righteous. So what he is telling us is, is that by one man, mankind was separated from God. Was an enemy of God. And only through joining in, and he's going to help us see that, into Christ Jesus, can your position Change. I want you to grab hold of that. So when Adam sinned, all of mankind was born in the position under the headship of Adam, saying you are a sinner. I don't care whether you think you're a good person or not, you're a sinner. This is why he's been talking about in these first four chapters about Your goodness is not enough to make you righteous. You're in a position under the headship of Adam as a sinner. The only way to change your position is to be born again under the headship of Jesus who was obedient. He goes on in verse 20. He says, Moreover, the law, what law? The law of sin and death entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abound, grace abounded much more. So when sin entered with Adam in the garden, God already had what? The grace, and what does grace mean? His plan, it would abound even more than what Adam had done through Christ Jesus. Not the Torah. Torah doesn't have anything to do with all that. All right, 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Even though sin had the penalty of death, through God's plan, grace means God's plan, remember? Through God's plan, righteousness might abound even more. Okay. I want to look at chapter 6. We talked about this last time. Um, last week talking about grace and being baptized and remember when Paul is not talking about water baptism here he's talking about spiritual baptism of being immersed in who Christ Jesus is so if you've not listened to this message go back and hear this it'll help you to understand but it's a picture of what happens when we truly are born again and become believers we are buried in Christ Jesus, we are immersed in him, which is going to become really important in chapter 7. So you are going to be immersed in Christ Jesus, baptized into him. Into him. And look at, um, look at verse 10 in chapter 6. Uh, well, look at verse 7. Verse 7 of chapter 6 says, For he who died has been freed from sin. So I want you to think about this. We make this too complicated sometimes. Paul is simply saying, If somebody is dead, they can't sin. Would you all agree with that? So if we find somebody in a casket and we go, Wow, he's probably going to be sinning tomorrow. No, we would say, No, he cannot sin. He has died, right? Paul is helping us to understand that in a spiritual understanding. He says, for he who has died, he who has been immersed into Christ Jesus' death. Remember, it said you're baptized into his death. You've been immersed into his death. Sin has no dominion over you anymore. And verse 10 says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So if you are in him, you are dying with him to sin. So then verse uh, 14 says... For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, you're under grace. Now, I want you to listen real carefully right here. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you've changed positions. You've died. Sin doesn't have any right to you anymore. So you've changed positions from being under the headship of Adam to being under the headship of Jesus. So sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're over here in Jesus. For you are now not under the law. Which law? The law of sin and death. Does that make sense? You see it? Yes! It's so simple once you see it. You have left the bondage of sin and death and come to be under the headship of Jesus through what? What does it say? Under grace. What's grace? God's plan. Not just, okay, whatever. God's plan. When did it come in? When sin entered. God already had a plan that would abound beyond what Adam had done. Amen. And you have transferred positions. I'm no longer under sin and death. I am now under God's plan and the authority of Jesus who conquered death. I want you to start with me in chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. He's talking to the church at Rome, and these people know about the Torah. Remember, they were half of them were Jewish people, half of them were Gentiles, but the Gentiles have been taught the Torah, which is absolutely right. So Paul is saying, you know the law, and here he's talking about the Torah, the law of Moses unfortunately it's the Greek word is the same so you just have to understand as you read what Paul's talking about and ask the Lord to help you so he says I know um, I do I, I do I'm sorry, I'm sorry, or do you not know brethren for I speak to those who know the law that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives okay what law is he talking about He's not talking about the Torah now. He switched back. He's saying, you know that as long as a man lives, he's, the law no longer has dominion over him. That the law has, I'm sorry, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. So as long as he lives in this place over here, the law has dominion. As long as he lives over here, it has dominion. Now listen. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as they live. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress through who she has married. uh, I'm sorry, though she has married another man. All right, so this is pretty simple to understand. If a woman is married to a man, and the man is living, but she goes and marries another man, she would be called an adulteress because the man is still living, her first husband's still living. But if the husband dies, if the first husband dies, then she's no longer under the law because he died, right? Now let's go on and read in verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law, the law of sin and death, through the body of Christ that you may be married to another to him who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. In other words, when you were immersed, like last week's message, into Christ Jesus, into his death. You remember that? Let me see. Look at uh, 6.4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So Paul is saying you were buried into Jesus, so now you're buried and immersed into his death. You baptized, you immersed, you chose to be immersed into his death. You're dead. The same thing it's saying in verse 4, therefore you also became dead. See that? You became dead when? When you were immersed in Jesus you became dead to the law of what sin and death i'm no longer i'm no longer in this position because i chose to be immersed in him dead when he died verse 4 in chapter 7 therefore my brethren you also became dead to the law of sin and death through the body of Christ that you may be married to another. Who? I'm dead to sin and death, and I want to be married to Jesus. who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit from God, for God. Okay, I want to stop right there, and I want to tell you something else that God showed me a long time ago, and I love it, and I think you will love seeing it. He began to help me understand this, and I saw it more and more and more. So there's a, a even greater picture Of this place of understanding why Paul would put this right in the center of this place he is helping us to understand our journey but he's also helping us to understand God's gospel because put your marker here and I want to go to Isaiah 54 verse 5 it's on page 849 Here's what I want to say as you're turning there, is we read a verse or two and God shows us something. And I love that because it is true and it is right when he shows us these places. But then there's oftentimes hidden things that we've talked about. The glory of God to seek out and search out. There's more there oftentimes in his teachings for us and that's what's here today is there's more to this than what Paul is saying so we're going to look at that more so in verse uh, five it says for your maker is your husband the Lord of hosts is his name so what's going on right here and if you may want to write this down is God became Israel's husband okay? God became Israel's husband. But Israel, as you remember, got off in idolatry, got off in breaking all of God's laws. Even though now the laws of Mount Sinai have been given, they have not looked into those laws and walked in righteousness according to God's laws. They've gone their own way. So But God has made himself husband over Israel. The problem comes in Deuteronomy 24. So turn with me to page 229. Deuteronomy 4 verse 1 and I want you to think about this as God has given this law in the Torah right here that we're about to read as he has married Israel at a little later time but listen when a man takes a wife and marries her and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because she has found some un- because he has found some uncleanness in her God found uncleanness in Israel and he writes her a certificate of divorce puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house when she has departed from the house and goes and becomes another man's wife if the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of the house, or if the latter husband dies who, takes, who took her as his wife, then the, her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she's been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So, God is the husband and marries Israel. Now look at Jeremiah 3, it's on page uh, 888. Oh, wait a minute, it's not on 888, is it? It's 868. I'm sorry. I probably didn't have my glasses on when I was looking at that. It says 868. All right. Jeremiah 3, page 868. And I want you to start in, um, let's start in, hmm, verse 1. Jeremiah says, they say, if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, may he return to her again. Would not that land be greatly polluted? So he's quoting what we just read from Deuteronomy. Now look down to verse 6. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah, the king, have you seen that backsliding Israel has done? Have you seen what Israel has done? They've backslid. They've been in adultery. She has gone up on every high hill and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. She's, she's in terrible place. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that all the causes for her backsliding, for back, which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So God divorces Israel. Do you see that? God divorces his people. God cannot fulfill the promises to Israel. He's divorced her, and he can't remarry her. Now I want you to look with me to, um, let's see, verse 12. Um, no, let's go on. Okay, turn with me to Matthew nineteen eleven thirty four. Page eleven thirty four. I just want you to see right here a couple of things. Starting in verse 3, the Pharisees also came to Jesus, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so then they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together let man let not man separate and they said to him why then did moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away and he said to them moses because of your hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her it who is divorced commits adultery. So Jesus is saying... Uh, God created, and he gave this commandment to Adam and Eve. Marriage is with one man and one woman, and um, they become one flesh. That's God's law. Now, I'm divorced, and it's true. I had to repent of that because it broke God's law. And the law helped me to see that. But this was given before the law. Do you see that? It was given to Adam and Eve. Jesus is quoting from this place, but it was given to Adam and Eve. Then he says, There was made a place for divorce because you, in your hardness of heart, you went out and got into all these sexually immoral places, and he permitted it to be so. That's what Israel did. She became a harlot. So God gave her a certificate of divorce under what Jesus is saying. Do you see that? All right, now go to Ezekiel 16. uh, No, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 31. It's on page 910. Jeremiah 31 says, I'm sorry, thirty one thirty one. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with the fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord for I will forgive their iniquities and their sin I will remember no more. All right. God has divorced them, and yet he's saying, I'm going to make a new covenant. The old covenant was originally established when they became his people, right? And then he made them his people wife or he, yeah they became his wife he became their husband now he says I'm going to make a new covenant because you've broken this you've gone out and you've played the harlot I've divorced you I don't have a covenant with you anymore but he's saying, I'm going to make a new covenant the day is coming when you're going to have a new covenant turn with me to Hebrews 8 don't let 1378 So this is Hebrews eight, starting in verse six. The writers of Hebrews says, "But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry." He's talking about Jesus, inasmuch as he, Jesus, is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faulty, I'm sorry, had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, you see, with the children of Israel, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. That's when he got a divorce. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. All right. Jesus is fulfilling this new covenant so what I want to tell you when you go back and look at Romans it says a woman is bound to her husband by law as long as he lives Jesus could not And God could not, Jesus as God, could not go back and remarry according to Deuteronomy after he's divorced her and after she's been committed to another husband, Satan, sin. Because it was an abomination. Do you remember that? God's law says that once a man has divorced the wife, for what reason? Sexual immorality, adultery, being a harlot. Then God could not break his own law and come back and remarry Israel again. And yet he says he's going to make a new covenant through Jesus. Jesus had to die. Why? Because the woman is no longer bound by the law if the husband has died. You may have to chew on it. It's amazing. Before the beginning of time, before Adam sinned, grace abound. <laughs> oh, he's so mighty. Turn with me to Revelation. Let's see. Well, page um, 1424. Revelation 21 while you're turning there i want to share a couple other thoughts here so as we were reading in hebrews the new covenant is for who house of israel house of judah there's no place for the church We talk about we're a new covenant church. There's no covenant for the church. The covenant that's talked about in Jeremiah and it's talked about that it's fulfilled through Jesus in Hebrew is for the house of Israel and the house of Judah. There's no covenant for the church. And yet we run around saying we're the bride of Christ. But read closely. In Revelation 21, it's first one, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down Out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The New Jerusalem, Israel. If you go on and read, you will see that the 12 tribes are the gates to get in, the apostles are the foundations. The church has to be grafted in. And as we continue to read in Romans, we will see that. Where Paul says, you are grafted in, you Gentiles. But not just us. Also, the Jewish people have to be grafted in. Because they've been broken off. And it will help us to understand that. But amen. God's plan Before sin entered Adam, grace abounded. (laughs) And the church, we will be grafted in, and this is his plan. This is grace. This is grace. Next week because y'all don't want to stay all afternoon. (laughs) I would stay. We want to teach the rest of this. It is so awesome. And so you'll come back and and we'll teach the rest of seven. But I want to drop down and I want to read um, uh, chapter eight. So Romans, back in Romans on page 1300, Chapter 8, verse 2. I just want to read you this one place that will sum up where we are today. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit. You see how Paul uses the law there? It's not talking about the Torah. He's talking about when you are In Christ Jesus, when you've been immersed into who he is, immersed into his death, then you are raised up in newness of life to walk in the law of the spirit. The law of the spirit. And it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. So we're going to take just a few minutes before our last song, and we're going to see if anybody has any questions. I know this is a lot. I know you may have to go back and listen to it. It is powerful if you can grab hold of it, Um, every little bit of it. changes how we see things but i want to see if there's anybody that has any questions i want to answer those questions while we're online that people can see and hear what these questions might be because they might have the same one you may need to go home and chew on it a little bit and then you can call me if you have questions anybody have anything they want to ask right off or anybody do what it's pretty clear. That's awesome. Thank you. I love it. We'll praise the Lord. We'll stand with me and let's praise Him for His uh, grace that abounds.